listening to the Marietta Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast. Today's message comes to us from Senior Pastor of Marietta Seventh-day Adventist Church, Matthew Smith. Every single one of us has preferences, opinions. Everybody's got them, and they're so different all the time. In fact, I've created a little bit of a quiz this morning just to see what the, uh, the pulse of the room is like this morning on your opinion. So here's what I, I've got. I've got several different pictures that I'm going to put on the screen. There's going to be options. There's going to be choices. After you see the picture, I'm going to ask you about which one you prefer. Now, I've thought about it. I thought, well, maybe we could have you raise your hands to say this is the one I like. I don't like that idea. I thought maybe we clap, but no, no, no. Um, I thought amens. No, here's what I would like to do. I'm going to put the picture on there, and for the one that you prefer, I'll say, do you like this one? If you like it, I would like you to snap your fingers. Can we try it together on three? One, two, three. Nice. Sounds like popcorn in here. That's good. Okay, are you ready? I want to know your opinion. These are a little controversial. Here's the first one. Hmm? How many of you prefer Pepsi? Let me hear you. Oh. Kind of weak, if you ask me. How many of you prefer Coca-Cola? That's yeah, because we're in Atlanta, I know. All right, here's the next one. Now, this is very controversial. Here we go. Are you ready? Oh, oh, oh man. Uh-oh. All right, here we go. How many of you prefer Android? Oh, man, people are raising their hands up like it's... Stop it. How many of you prefer Apple or iPhone? Oh, and that sounds, that's about 50-50. I'll even say that in our church offices, this last week as of yesterday, one of the pastors, not me, has gone to the dark side and now has an Android. <laughs> Love you, Luke. Your rebaptism is coming soon. <laughs> okay, now this one. This is the most important one because this is, there is a right way on this one. There, like, I don't care what your opinion is. There is a right way. Are you ready? Over or under? All right. How many of you say over is the right way? Yes. How many of you say under is the right way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so embarrassed, like, oh. And there's somebody in here that when they, they don't even put a new roll on there when it's run out. Somebody in here, some, some wife is nudging a husband right now. <laughs> Uh-oh, fingers are being pointed. Isn't it funny how everybody's got an opinion about everything? Man, about everything. And then it gets serious when we talk about serious things. And we're not voting on these, just telling you now. Like when we talk politics, like Republican and Democrat and whatever else. Like when we talk race, when we say, oh, is it black lives matter, all lives matter, blue lives matter, what other kind of lives matter? It gets serious, and we just impose these opinions on everybody else. That's what we want to do. And parenting has its own realm of opinions. Um, I'm a little bit out of the baby stage. My kids are four and six, and so like, I, I'm a little, little removed from it, but I still remember them. Uh, like this one. Uh, parents arguing, just debating, just going at each other about whether you should only breastfeed or if you should use bottles or if you should 
um, use the cry it out method, which means you lay your kid down as a baby and they cry until they go to sleep, or if you uh, snuggle with them until they go to sleep. Or how about this one? Whether you have kids or not, you know this one. This is in your face all the time, especially right now. Um, Do you vaccinate your kid or do you not vaccinate your kid? I mean, I've watched friendships break apart because of these kind of things because everybody's got an opinion. For some reason, we all have opinions. We feel like we have to have an opinion. We feel like our opinion is the only correct opinion. And we feel like we need to force our opinion on somebody else. Not too long ago, I was introduced to a story about a young girl named Claire. Claire O'Connor. You'll see a picture of her in a minute. And, and uh, Claire, she liked to exercise. In fact, her favorite form of exercise was to ride the Peloton bike. Anybody know what a Peloton bike is? Come on. Raise your hands up high. Oh, good. Okay. It's because you've been watching TV during Christmas time. That's what it is. I should have asked, how many times have you ridden one? There it is. Ah, it's beautiful. It is my favorite form of exercise. You get on it, it's fantastic. In fact, it's a stationary bike, but it has a screen attached to it, and there is an instructor with you. Now, you can do live classes where you're riding, and the instructor is live in New York or London, and they're being recorded or streamed to you. And as you watch them, they tell you how high, how hard to turn it, how fast to go, all sorts of stuff. There's weights that you can work out with, too. Um, Or you can do on-demand classes, so uh, you can watch the recorded version. But here's the the thing. If you're competitive like me, the thing that matters the most is not the instructor, it's not the bike, it's the leaderboard. Because on the right-hand column, there is a live leaderboard which shows everybody else's metrics and their stats, how fast, how hard they're going. And you can look on there, and if you go a little harder, then you jump up above them. I mean, there's thousands of people, and you, oh man, my goal is always to be like the top 20% if I can. Uh, I, I, this is what it looks like. If you've never ridden one, here's one of their ads. Oh, audio. Rachel in London, I see you. Let's see what you've got today. David in Edinburgh, that is 200 rides. Let's make it count. Do not give up now. Let's go. Let's climb together. Here we go. You are stronger than you know. Make you want to go work out? Come on, somebody, get your spandex ready. We're going riding. Oh, somebody said no. Come on, that is fantastic. So this girl, she wants to buy a Peloton bike, and uh, because this is her favorite form of exercise, and her dad hears wind of it that she wants to buy this stationary bike, and so and I realize that dads have this innate responsibility to help their kids make good decisions, but he decides to send her an email of his opinion, and it's very pointed and it's very blunt. In fact, here's. Claire O'Connor, and here's what her dad says. I've heard of the Peloton, and I've concluded that like the use of cocaine, it's another way of God saying, people have too much money. They're 2,500 bucks. He goes on. It is a ridiculous amount of money for such a basic concept as riding a stationary bike. You can ride a bike you own for as long as you want and cut the inevitable boredom factor by listening to podcasts or watching TV or clips of waves on the sand. And as I read his email, I get a little defensive because I love Peloton, but here's the reality. She just wants to work out. Why can't he let her do what she wants to do? Why is it that each of us has such a strong opinion about everything and anything? 
Is it this internal quest for individuality or because I'm an American and I'm free or because I'm a Christian and I've got free will? Why is it that we want to, uh, we think our purpose is to assert and impose our opinion on somebody else like we are the ones that are always right? Why is it that we come to somebody else and their opinion and we rise up upon them, we step up over their opinion, we, we walk over their thoughts, we get above them like we're the ones that are right, and we look down on them and say, we're the ones. My opinion matters. Philippians chapter 2 is powerful because it speaks directly to this, and I feel like God spoke to Paul to write these words back then to talk to us this morning. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Last night I hear that ACF only got through like the first four or five verses, which sounds like an awesome message. Uh, we're going to get a little more than that because we're in a sermon series. We've got to get through the whole chapter today. If you're new to a Bible, there's one in front of you. It's a red, it's the red book in front of you, and uh, Philippians is in the New Testament, which if you don't know where that is, it's on page 1069 in your Bible. That'll help you find it. You might want to look around and make sure everybody's got the Bible or something, or it's not going to be on the screen, so you want to read it for your own eyes. Paul writes the book of Philippians, uh, this little church in Philippi, and he writes to them. Here's what he says, Philippians chapter 2, give me an amen if you're there. Okay, here we go. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And we pause there for a minute. Is Paul saying, let's be like-minded so you can't have an opinion? Is he saying that? I don't think so. We're all created differently. We're all created individual, individuals with opinions and ideas that you can have. I don't think he's saying don't have an opinion. He's saying in, when the gospel means everything, then let's work together to share the gospel. If the gospel is everything, then nothing else matters. He goes on. He says this. Verse 3. He's kind of painting a picture of what it looks like. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. I mean, that's powerful. Paul is saying, if, if the gospel is everything to you, then you live with a you-first, me-second mentality. Others-centered first, me-second. You're number one, I'm number two. I'm not necessarily right. Because I want the gospel to go, and if my opinion is in the way, then it means nothing. Somebody probably says, well, Pastor Matt, I know what this is saying. It's saying, be like-minded. Paul says, be like-minded. Well, that means like-minded as far as the gospel. Uh, it means doctrinal beliefs. It means when I come to church, you know, we've got to make sure we believe the same thing. But I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's talking about a whole life kind of like-mindedness, where we work together. That's all parts of life. That's your work life, your home life, your school life. That's your social media life. That's your road rage life on I-75, somebody. In fact, here's what Paul describes the way to live in verse 5. He says this. He says, in your relationships with one another, 
have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And I pause there for a second because I don't know if that's possible. Can I have the mind of Christ in me? Can I live through his lens? Here's how Paul describes it. He says this. This is, this is Christ's mind. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. This is Jesus' example. This is what it looks like. This is dangerous. So Christ, in heaven, equal with the Father, He's the God of the universe, the creator of everything. Every breath that you take is a gift from Him. And because of you, He takes off His golden diadem. Because of you, He steps down into human world. He steps down as a criminal human. He steps down as a servant. He steps down as a human that's going to die. He steps down as the one that gives his life so that you can have life. He goes down when all we ever do is want to go up. I'm right. My opinion's right. I'll step all over yours because I'm right. And Christ's mindset is one that says, I will be humble all the way to the cross. Are you getting it? Paul says, this is how Christians live. This is how Christians act. But Paul takes this uh, concept of humility and being like Jesus. He gets really direct and really pointed. And so I'm going to let him point fingers. And if the shoe fits for you, put it on. If it doesn't, don't worry about it. Verse 14, we're jumping a little bit. Have the mind of Christ in you. Philippians 2 verse 14, we're going to stop in the middle of a sentence. Here's what Paul writes. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. We stop in there. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. I like how Paul uses certain words, and he uses this word for grumbling called gonguzamon. Isn't that a terrible word? Would you like to say it with me? On three. One, two, three. Gonguzamon. Sound like a bunch of sick people. Gonguzamon. Jackie, the administrative assistant here, she said, uh, I, I told her this word yesterday, and she said, that's onomatopoeia. A word that sounds like what it means. Gonguzamon. Grumbling. Paul says, do everything without gonguzamon. Without grumbling or arguing. There's only four times in the Bible that this word's used. Here's the first one. Peter, he's talking to a group of Christians in a church. And he tells them, he says, hey, um, it's good for you to be generous and hospitable. So have people over to your house. And so they gonguzamon. They say, okay, if I have to, Peter, I'll have people over to my house and I'll let them eat my food. I mean, food is important, especially with the good stuff. And so they gonguzamon, they grumble about it. Another time this word's used, 
It's in Acts chapter 6, and there's, there's Christians. You've got Hellenistic Jews that have become Christian, and you've got Jews that have become Christian, and the widows weren't being treated fairly. And so some said, hey, it's not fair. Gonguzamon. So another time, um, there's this festival that Jesus goes to, and there's these Jewish leaders that are there, and they're looking for him, and they're, they're talking about him, and the Bible talks about their murmurings, and it's the same word, gonguzamon, as they murmur, they whisper behind the scenes about who Jesus is. And the only other time that it's used is here in Philippians chapter 2, where Paul says, do everything without gonguzamon, everything without grumbling, everything without arguing. And the thing that bothers me the most about this is that there's this ribbon, this thread that goes through all four of these stories, and it bothers me so much because the people that are gonguzamoning, the ones that are grumbling, they all profess that they love God. You got three stories of Christians, and you got one story of Jews who love God, they just didn't accept Jesus. And Paul writes to you and me this morning, and he says, that's not how Christians act. That's not how people that love Jesus act. That's not how people that think the gospel is everything act. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, without stepping over people, saying, I'm right, you're wrong. And for the next few minutes, I'm going to excuse all of ACF that's here and any visitor that's here this morning because I don't have the right to preach to you and with you. Because Paul says some very pointed words, and I think there's some real application for us. See, I love this church, the Marietta Seventh-day Adventist Church. I think it's one of the greatest churches in the Georgia Cumberland Conference and across the globe. I love pastoring here. This church is fantastic. The congregation, the, the placement, it's, I love this church. But over the last couple of months, I've heard and seen some ganguza moaning. In fact, if I can hear it, and if I can see it, then you definitely can, because I always get the filtered version. Somebody else. I've heard it third hand, fourth hand. But it sounds like this. If the shoe fits, put it on. If it doesn't, let it go. Here's some ganguza moaning. The music is too loud. I think I'm going to get up and walk out. The music, it's always about music, isn't it? Music and carpet, right? The music isn't my style or preference. We're singing praise songs, or the other side is, we're singing hymns. Gonguzamon. How about this one? There are too many crying babies at church. I can barely hear. I watched this next one on the security camera. Someone is in my seat, and they can't have it. Here's one. They chose the wrong book to study in my Sabbath school. Here's a general one that breaks my heart. I'm not being blessed. It's too crowded in here. Thanks a lot, ACF. Don. I'm kidding. I'm so glad you're here. I don't know anyone anymore. Here's one that everybody applies. I had to park all the way down at AAA and the golf cart isn't running and it's raining outside. Now, this may or may not be you grumbling or pushing or asserting or stepping up or pushing your opinion, but it sure doesn't match the mind of Christ, that's for sure. And it sure doesn't match what a Christian looks like. 
and it for sure doesn't match the culture of the Marietta Seventh-day Adventist Church. But if it is you, let this be encouragement, because we're going to finish Paul's sentence, because there's good stuff here. He finishes it and gives encouragement, and in fact, I'm going to put it on the screen for you, because um, I chose to use the message paraphrase for this. I like the paraphrase. Um, I don't study out of it, but oftentimes it puts Eugene Peterson puts it in words that you can understand better. So here's how he follows up. Peter says, remember, what does he say? Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Here's how Eugene writes it. Do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering, no second guessing allowed. Go out into the world uncorrupted. A breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night so I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. You'll be living proof that I didn't go to all this work for nothing. I mean, you hear Paul, he's talking like a proud dad that says, you can do it. You take it and you go with it. And I'm proud of you. And, and I think to myself, if the gospel is everything, nothing else matters. The music, the carpet, the whatever if the gospel is everything, nothing else matters. Some versions talk about this uh, carry the light. Some think they talk about this um, shining star that shows light into the, the society, into the world. Man, I want to be that. That's the picture of what it looks like to imitate Christ. That's the picture of what it looks like to be a Christian. That's the picture of what it looks like to be a Mac member. It's humble. It's selfless. It's unified. It's joined together. It's respectful. It's generous. It's Christian. And I'm praying for you this morning. And I'm praying for me this morning. And I'm praying for our church here in Marietta and across the globe that we can live and exist with the mind of Christ in us, with the gospel infused in us, so that everyone that we meet knows that they've encountered Jesus. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, I'm challenged today because of how you speak to me, at me. May you uh, help us know the mind of Christ so well that it's natural for us to be humble and to give in and to let uh, others first. May we have your mind in us. God, we love you and we can't wait to see you. In Jesus' name. hope you were inspired by today's message, and we would love to hear from you. If you would like to contact one of our pastors, find out more about what we believe, or for information about our service times in Marietta, Georgia, please visit www.mariettaadventist.org. If you were inspired by today's message, please share it with your friends. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are available.